Let's pick it up at verse 1. So, it is the last chapter, and I already said this, a lot of these things are repeats. So, I don't know about you, but that already preaches to me, because I need repetition so much. I am a knucklehead, and I need to be told the same things multiple times. And we already saw in the letter that he says, no, it's no trouble for me to repeat these things to you again. So even if it sounds repetitious tonight, like, oh, we heard about this standing firm stuff before. We heard about this joy stuff before. Well, take note, brother and sister. You need to hear it again and again and again. So much so where even in verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord, and I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. So let's get into this chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, my brothers. So who's he speaking to? The church, the partakers of grace, chapter 1. The citizens of heaven, chapter 3. He's talking to his family, my brothers. He's not speaking to the non-believer. He's not speaking to someone outside of this church. He's speaking directly to the Christian right now. So he says, therefore, my brothers, now check it. Whom I, what's the word? Love. We're going to pause there. My brothers whom I love. One thing that is evident in this letter about this man, Paul, is he loves the church. He loves them. He loves the brothers. Let me remind us, Philippians chapter 1, verse 7. I hold you in my heart. That's what he said to them in the very beginning of the letter. I hold you in my heart. Chapter 2, verse 12, he says, my beloved... I just, it's worthy of sitting on for a little bit at least. Because think, think of even in this room, in this place, when you show up at the gatherings, when you think of your church family, those of you who are members of this church, when you think of one another, is love a genuine thing? You know, in Romans 12, it says love's got to be genuine. Let me read you some scripture. You can write it down. But in 1 John 4, it says this, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God. If you have no love for your brother, if you don't love the church, the other partakers of grace, if I don't actually sincerely care about you this evening, then it's evidence that maybe I'm not born of God. That's what it says. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent his only son in the world so that we might live through him. In this, uh, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son. He's preaching the gospel here, the propitiation for our sins. You scroll down to verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who's not seen. This is the commandment we've heard from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Remember this, who's writing this letter to the Philippians, Paul. What's part of Paul's testimony? He used to kill Christians. He used to persecute the church. He breathed out murderous threats towards these kind of people. And now he's saying, I love you. 
I don't know about you, but that's striking. That's like, what? What happened? Well, we know what happened. We love because he first loved us. Jesus showed up, Acts chapter 9, knocked Paul off his horse. Saul, why are you persecuting me, man? God opened his eyes. He saved him by grace. He gave him faith. And now Paul loves the church. And he says it all through this letter. There's a youth at our church who, has a, who used to have a hard time with that L word. He's like, yeah, I love you, man. He's like, whoa. I just have a hard time with that word. But when you become a Christian, that word comes to life. And it means something. These are things I don't want to breeze past. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 13. You can write it down or join me there. I'll read it for you. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong, clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith, so as far as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up all my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You hear this? I mean, love is an essential mark. If you truly are Christian, you must love the brother. Romans 12, 9 through 11, let love be genuine. Love one another with brotherly affection. You know what I've been praying a ton for our church family here is that amidst whatever we're going through and all this kind of stuff, a growing church is a church that's growing in love for each other. That's a growing church. Not merely numerically, not merely all these other things. It's love. You know, for, for a lot of us that, you know, I just started to get to know you this year even. I've been asking myself these questions. Have I grown in my love for so-and-so? But remember, guys, this as we walk through these things, because we're going to see more, I mean, the next one, I long for you. But these things, you can't fake it. You can't fabricate it. You can't pretend love. You can't force it. It's all these, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, this is your mindset. This is your attitude in Christ Jesus. If you first have not seen how God so loved you, there is no way you're going to love the brother or sister next to you to the way God is commanding us to love one another. Remember earlier in the chapter, the example of Christ in chapter 2? Jesus, he emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, humbled himself, was obedient to point of death, death on a cross. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we're sinners, he gave if you don't see that love for you from God, no way you will have any genuine, authentic love in your heart for the brothers and sisters here. We love because he first loved us. Let's, 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 let's move on a little bit more. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love, and next word, long for. Here's the word study for long for. Yearnly, yearningly affectionate. Or you greatly desire. This is, he's not talking like he, he said these things already. Philippians chapter 1 verse 8. He said, how I yearn for you with the affections of Christ. Question. Does the, does, does the threat of separation or isolation or the thought of you not 
getting to gather with one another for a long period of time, does that bother you? Would that concern you? Our brothers and sisters who we haven't got to physically seen for some time now, do you miss them? Or is it like, oh yeah, I don't even know. Oh yeah, I don't know how they do. Oh, I don't know. This is a fruit of Christ in this man. Paul doesn't just love the church. He longs for her. He longs for her. Read, look, listen to this. Romans chapter 1. He's writing this to another church. Romans chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. He says this. I long to see you. That I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged. Now this is huge. By each other's faith. Both yours and mine. I'm going to read that again. I long to see you. That I may impart to you a gift to strengthen you. That we may be mutually encouraged in the faith. Paul is not just a warm, fuzzy, sentimental guy and says, Oh, Philippians, I miss you. Oh, I never see you so long. I miss you so much. That's not it. In Romans 1, he's saying, you know why I miss you? Because I need some encouragement and I want to encourage you in the faith. In the faith. If our fellowship is, or if we miss each other just because we miss our, each other's personalities, or, oh man, we never get to catch up and hang in a long time, that's okay. But if that in and of itself is it, that's not the type of longing that Paul is talking about. That's not Christian fellowship. That's just cruising. If you miss church just because you miss cruising, or you miss hanging, or you miss some kind of social click, and it's like, oh man, I miss you guys. <laughs> and my friend, you might have to rewind the tape. That's not what this longing is. I need edification. I need encouragement. I need a brother and a sister to remind me of my citizenship in heaven. To remind me that, man, i got to press on to know him. Chapter 3, there's so much more I need to know of Christ. I'm going to have a difficult time next week or the month after, and I'm going to need a brother or a sister to lift me up in prayer and remind me of these things, what we believe in, the faith. The faith in what? Christ. That his righteousness is now my own. This is fellowship. That's why, you know, for those of us we, we hang, uh, when we hang if we have a chance to surf or dive or get coffee or even a car ride, a lot of times what I pray in my heart and in my mind is, Lord, please, please let it be more than a doggy date. I'm going to get together with my brother and my sister. We're going to let our dogs play. But please let it be more than that. Please let it be more than surfing. Please let it be more than just a dive, more than coffee, more than a car ride. And I show up and I ask God to give me the grace to show up. Okay, how can I encourage them in the faith? How can I impart some sort of spiritual gift? Question for us, for those of us. When, when we gather, like even tonight, you're here tonight. What are you longing for? Are you longing to just get out of the house? Are you longing to just be in some social thing? Are you, what are you longing for? Do we long to actually encourage each other, lift each other up, 
remind each other of the things of heaven. This is how Paul's heart beats for these guys. That's why he said stuff in earlier in the chapter. He's like, man, if I get out of these chains, I'm coming. I'm coming through. But I might mock it, so, you know, to live as Christ dies gain. I don't know. But that's his heart. That's a huge thing that I've been really wrestling with. When I walk into the room, when I show up on Sunday, when I show up on Wednesday, or when I see you guys throughout the week, when I walk in the building, when I walk into your car, whatever, what am I longing for? What's my aim? What's my goal? Paul longs for this church. And it's not to just cruise with them. It's so that they can be mutually encouraged. That's Romans chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. All right, let's move on a little bit more. We're still in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love, Paul loves the church, whom I long for, Paul longs for the church. Love this. Um, And then he says this, my joy. That's joy right there. You see it? You hear it? That is joy. My joy and crown. The church, Paul loves them. He longs for them, but the church is his pride and joy. That's a question. Do we see one another like this? That's his pride and joy. Joy, gladness, reason for happiness, my delight, my pleasure. That's how he talks about these guys. And again, this is not new language to Paul. All through chapter 1, he talks like this towards them. In other words, it's like Paul saying, man, I'm so proud of you. You're my crown. You know, I, um, I mean, I know, I know maybe, I, actually, I know some in this room. I mean, you have never heard words like this from, a, from an older man or woman. Honestly, we're growing up in a generation where young people are so deprived from anything any words of such sort. You're my joy, my crown. This is how this, I love Paul. I love his leadership. I love how he addresses this church. You're my pride and joy. Can you, I'm just trying to imagine maybe some of the young men or women in that church that, you know, they're, they're listening to the rhetoric being led from this man that they know and to hear those words, my crown. Imagine in the house just, oh, you know. Now here we go. Mark pointed this one out. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm, stecco. Here's the word. To persevere. To persist. To keep on continuing or to keep standing. This is not new stuff. Earlier in the letter, Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained this, I'm already perfect, but I press on. Chapter 1, I want to hear this about you guys. You're standing firm side by side. He's bringing it up again. Why does he need to bring it up again? Maybe because he knows it's going to be hard. You're going to be shook. You're going to have moments where you're not standing so firm. So he says it again. Stand firm. Now, here's the thing, though. 
Here's the big thing that we got to see repeated again and again as we finish the rest of these verses. He doesn't just say, stand firm, brah. Lift up your head. It's all good. It's going to be good. Stop pouting. Straighten up. He doesn't just say, he doesn't say that. Stand firm in what? Your Lord, the Lord. I saw you guys mouthing it. Even through the mask. No, but the Lord. Think. Think of the letter. What was he standing firm in in chapter 3? His own righteousness. All the list of stuff that he once thought gain. I now count it all as loss, as rubbish. All the stuff that you used to find security and stability in. That he used to find stability in. Paul gave us that whole list in chapter 3. He's like, nah, that's not my confidence anymore. Where's Paul's confidence now? In the Lord. That I may be found in Him. This is chapter 3. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's His stand firm. That's His stance. Our stability is in the Lord. If you've walked in the room tonight a little bit shaky, a little bit uneasy, a little bit just not so together, just feeling a little all over the place, the word of the Lord says, stand firm. Stand firm in the Lord. On this journey, you're going to stumble. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have so many swirl of emotions and seasons of feeling uneasy. But we always come back, the Lord. The Lord. Standing firm in the faith. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord. In the strength of his might. Don't be strong and don't try to stand firm in your own performance. If, you, if you're struggling still with doing that, even after this far in the letter, just uh, shake it. Shake. No, get out of that mindset. Get out of that mindset. You stand firm in nothing else but the Lord. He used to stand firm in his performance and other things. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Let's go there. We're talking about standing firm in the Lord. Our stability is in the Lord. I'm working and fighting for the souls that are honestly, if you're honest with yourself tonight, you're shaky. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, you hear the word of the Lord and you believe and respond. You repent. Everyone who is like that, a hearer of the word and a doer, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Firm foundation. Look at this. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat the house, but it did not fall. In other words, it stood what? Firm. Immovable. Unshakable. I like that picture. Because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. 
The rain fell down, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. To stand firm in the Lord is your standing on the rock, the man, Christ. Upon this rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. What is that? You said, I'm the Christ. I'm the one. I'm the Savior. I'm your righteousness. That's what we stand on. That's the only certainty I can find navigating through this life right now. And that's the only certainty I need. That's amazing to me. God wants his people. Paul wants this church to be a firm church. He doesn't want the Philippian church, and I don't want New One Baptist Church to be some kind of, we're just kind of like stepping on eggshells through this life, really sheepish and flimsy. No way. No way. I want us walking through this life firm and secure, knowing what we believe, knowing who Christ is and what he's done. That's why we have this, our foundations class that Pastor Johnny's doing. It's a foundations class. Question for you tonight, truthfully, how are you standing? Are you sure? Are you making every effort to be sure of your election? To be certain of where you stand with God? To be confident in what you profess you believe? This is so important, guys. Because any moment now, at any given time, you could breathe your last I could breathe my last, or he can come. And that's it. Your stability is in the Lord. Security, confidence, call it what you will. Go back to Philippians. And if you're not, I'm, I'm asking and urging again. Repent, come to Christ. What are you building your life on? I don't want to build my life on shaky stuff. Sand. In Christ alone, right? My hope is found. All other ground is sand. Verse 2. Our stability is in the Lord. Now look at this. Paul gets a little bit more practical now in the letter. He starts to point out people. This is fun to imagine because it's a letter being read to a church. Imagine listening to a letter and then your name gets brought up. I entreat, this is my best way of reading it, Yodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree, look at this, in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who've labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. We're going to pause there. I entreat these two ladies. Can you imagine that? It's like reading a letter and then, okay, Kaleo and Trevor, you guys got to get things together. Can you imagine, can you imagine just the group and then like everyone look, if, if Yudia and Syntyche were in the house, like, he's talking about you? No, you know, like just, it's just, it's interesting, you know, imagine it. And, and, he, and Paul gets practical with this letter. He's, he's, this is not new stuff. Remember, he said, I want you to be one in spirit, one mind. You guys got to be together. You got to be united. And now he points out these two. Apparently, we don't know much about the disagreement. He wouldn't ask them to agree if they weren't at a disagreement. So apparently, there's some tension between these two ladies. Something. But look at what we do know about them. It's probably not a disagreement over doctrine. 
because they were side by side for the gospel and they were fellow workers so they were active in the church they were serving so it's hard to tell maybe it was a disagreement on leadership maybe you know but in any case this is good stuff this is an awkward moment and church local church we got to embrace these awkward moments we don't run away from this stuff paul's not running away from this disagreement he's not like oh i don't want to talk about it you know he dresses it straight up hey you two sisters get it together <laughs> you know like but and and i think we're living in a time and in a generation and it cannot happen in the church where we have any of the slightest disagreement or we don't see eye to eye on something or we rub each other the wrong way and we just like i don't like this i don't like this church anymore goodbye or just like oh this small group leader never called me back he shoots and we just disagree and that's it and we just dis- no that's not how it is in god's family every family's got matters in the house of faith you're going to work it through agree and not just agree agree in what the lord he's not saying we all have to like the same food and the same color otherwise we'd be super disunified because jessa doesn't like poke and i love poke yeah 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 hey, agree in the lord it's all good those of you who looked at her right there with those judgmental glances we just keep praying for her it's all good you know but see we're we're diverse people we're not going to agree on everything but what's very critical and important is that we agree in the lord on doctrinal things on firm foundation kind of things primary things who christ is what he's done why he came and his finished work and how we are saved these are big core things that he's saying you got to agree on this agree in the lord and i love how paul he doesn't even address the specific disagreement you see that but he just kind of i think he's counseling well and he kind of guides them he's like all right cuz i'm if they're hearing their name read, read out loud but then he also says man both of these women he vouches for them they're solid they serve with me side by side for this gospel they're believers they're partakers of grace and then he says this they were also working um they they're also fellow workers and look names written in the what the book of life he points them back to the things that matter your citizens of the kingdom whatever little quarrels and and disputes remember earlier in the chapter do everything without grumbling and complaining whatever that is i don't know if he was maybe hinting at them when he was writing that part of the letter but now he's getting to it in specific whatever it is agree in the lord remember you're on the same team remember your family you're not enemies now this is important for us to hear especially for you know I I mean I'm thankful that I I think I know uh, uh, most of us pretty well and we've had our share fair of disagreements. <laughs> I've seen a scuffle here and there <laughs> even in the house. I I try not to look anyone in the eye but you know I'm th- I mean we've we've gone through things and it's an amazing thing to be a part of when even if we go through awkward moments at times there's certain things we just disagree on or we get into little scuffles isn't it a beautiful thing that in the lord we can always find unity we can always come back together unity is a big thing it's an important thing and paul hammers this away in other letters like in to the corinthian church 
But he even says it here. Why is it such a big deal? Remember in chapter 1, verse 27? Let your, look, at, look at it. We're there. You might as well look at it. Look at chapter 1, verse 27. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you, church, you're standing firm. We heard that. One spirit, one mind. That's unity right there. Side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now look at this. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Our unity is so important because it will affect the way that we evangelize as a church. If we're bickering and disagreeing with each other and just holding grudges against each other, I just want you to think, like, right now in your heart, just pause, take a moment. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, there's a brother or sister that right now, you, you, there's tension. You're not in agreement. Maybe they're even in this room tonight and the Holy Spirit's impressing on your heart. Maybe you need to go and talk together after this or get coffee or pray or whatever. Let him press in on you. Because if we're fighting with each other, we are not displaying a clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Christ came, you know what's so great about the gospel? is He destroyed the wall of hostility between you and God. He brought peace there. And then he also brought peace here. If we are not making effort to be in agreement with each other, then we don't really fully grasp the gospel. I just got a text from some church member this week too asking about questions on forgiveness and things like that. They're going through things in their heart towards a particular person or a particular family member. And, just, and it's cool. I just said, well, how did, you know, like, I think they were asking, well, how do I know if I really forgave? And I was like, well, that's good. You know, what are the attributes of forgiveness? Well, what were the attributes of Jesus when he forgave you? Like, how does Jesus look at you now? How does God look at you now after he's forgiven? That's how you'll know if you've truly forgiven. Paul is pleading with these two ladies, please agree in the Lord. I think it's a good word for any of us tonight if there's anyone, whether they're in this church or not, it's a brother or sister in the Lord, and you know you're not in a kindred spirit, agree in the Lord. Now look at this. He tells the true companion, unnamed, we don't know who this guy is, but it's a yoke fellow. He says, help these women. You know these awkward moments when we have tension in the house and you have a disagreement with a brother or sister or whatever? I've had choke of them, gosh. You know what's also good is to get some help. <laughs> they help these women out. I hope and pray that we'd have the humility. If you can't make amends with a brother or sister in Christ, get help. Ask for help. Be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9, for they shall be what? Sons of God. We need to help each other agree in the Lord. No more grumbling, no more disputing. Colossians 1.17, remember this, in Christ, in him, all things hold. 
Not only is your stability in the Lord or our stability, our unity is also found in the Lord. Verse 4, we'll slowly bring it to a close. Rejoice. Now here's the, the repeated theme again, though. He, does he just say rejoice? You went through something hard. Hey, buck up. No, that's terrible advice. <laughs> oh, you're having a hard time. Oh, you failed that test. Or so-and-so got COVID. Or da-da-da-da. Or you got cancer. Oh, just lift up your head. You're good, bro. That's no. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen, Silas. Now, look at this, though. This is a big word. This is the degree. Always. That was hard for me when I read that. Always? Not only is your stability in the Lord and our unity in the Lord, but our joy is in the Lord. Rejoice to be glad. Always. Here's the word study. Not that complicated. In any and every way, at all times, on every occasion. Now, when I first read that, if you're reading it like how I read it at first, I was like, is that even possible? And is that even fair? It sounds unfair, right? But look, look closely. He's not saying rejoice in that tough circumstance. That's not what he's saying. You're having a hard time, you had a hard week. He's not just saying lift up your head. No. He's saying rejoice in what? He puts their attention back on the Lord. You can always rejoice in the Lord. When you are a Christian, when you're in Christ, when your righteousness is Him and you're found in Him, you always have a reason to sing, come what may. Regardless of how gnarly and nuts the world may get or your circumstances of life around you get, you know what's crazy about the Christian faith is you can always rejoice. You always have a reason to sing. Why? Because this life's not where it's at. Chapter 3 earlier, we're citizens of heaven. I don't look into this life. Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. This is Corinthians. For what is seen is temporary. You fix your eyes on this world, you'll get depressed very fast. Very fast. And if that's all you can see, if that's your limited vision right there, you will not rejoice always. Maybe never. But if you have your eyes on the Lord, on Christ, on who he really is and what is to come, you can always, always, always rejoice. You know what's crazy about this word joy? And I think it's interesting that he says, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. I counted. I read up until this part in the letter. Paul uses this word 10 times already in the letter. Joy, 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 rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Join with me, rejoice. Why is he so hammering at this thing called joy? Because I really believe this, that there's something, there's an enemy, and he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. You know what he's coming after? Your joy. He doesn't want anyone in this house. He doesn't want any Christian, any citizen, any child of God to find delight in him. He doesn't want you to give him glory or enjoy him at all. Definitely not always. Definitely not when you're having a hard time. He wants to take your joy. That's what the enemy's trying to do. 
And so Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Joy is a mindset. It's a choice. It's faith. Let me give you some verses on joy. Hebrews 12. It's not merely, merely an emotion. That'd be unfair. It'd be unfair for God to just command you to be happy all the time. There's a lot of things to not be happy about in this life. But to rejoice, yes, he can. He can command joy. Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says this. Looking, now this is Jesus as an example. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Check it. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured cross. The cross endured. That doesn't sound like pleasure. That's pain. But he had joy. James 1 verse 2. Count it all joy. Count it. Consider it. See it. Deem it. Think it. All joy. My brothers, when you, what? Meet trials? That's James 1. Meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith Produces steadfastness. Steadfastness has, has its full effect that you may be mature, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Wait, so Jesus' joy in the midst of the cross counted all joy in trials? So joy is not, I'm not saying, I was talking to a brother earlier, and it's like, I mean, he read it how I read it. He's like, what? How, be happy all the time? No, no. Rejoice always. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.10, he says, we're grieving yet always rejoicing. That's a crazy, powerful thing to possess, especially in today's day and age, especially now. Joy looks to the end result. Joy looks to the end. That's why when you wake up in the morning, you get out of bed, and you have that, those morning, the kind, you got to go to the restroom. You know how you just wake up? I'm like that all the time. Wake up, and you got to go shishi. You got to go number two, number one and two sometimes. And you're like trying to get to the restroom and you're like, oh, you know, and then boom, the door is locked because one of your siblings is in there. Are you happy? No. But you can count to joy. Okay, they're going to be piled soon. I just heard them flush. You know, you're, you're, count, you're, you're finding joy in the midst of the situation. You're looking to the end result. Finally, sibling comes out. You get in. Oh, thank you. Abouge. You're happy. Right? Because something happened. The circumstance changed. You know, you get your breakfast, it's a good breakfast, you get in the, your car, or your truck, or whatever, you're on your way to school or work, and then, poosh, flat tire. Oh my gosh. Are you happy? No. You're not like, oh yeah, flat tire. You know, you're not doing that. That's not what the command is saying. Oh, rejoice always. <laughs> no, that's not what it's saying. But while you're like, you know, and it's going in your heart, your mind, you're saying, bro, like, Oh, thank you, Lord, I didn't die or whatever. You know, I, it wasn't as bad. And then, oh, oh, right on. There's a gas station like a, right around the block. You're to count it all joy, to rejoice, you're looking to some end. You're looking to the end result. When all this is done, you're not happy that I had to shishi and wait in line. I'm not happy that I got a flat tire. But even greater than all, like, that's, that's more like little joy, but big joy is like in the Lord, our citizenship, when all this is done, 
I don't know the swirl of circumstances that are in this room. Maybe you have a family member who's passing or someone has cancer or you've been unemployed for a really long time and it's just hard right now. The pressures of bills and how is life going to work out and all this kind of stuff. So whatever it is that you are stressing on, whatever trials are meeting and knocking on your door this evening, to rejoice always is to look to the Lord, you look to the end, you look at really what we deserve is nothing. We don't even deserve to breathe. We don't deserve life. We don't deserve this gathering. We are sinners drowning in our sin. And Christ, God, sent his son to be your righteousness, to live the life you should have lived and die the death that you deserve. And then he does this amazing, marvelous, crazy wisdom of a thing. And he appeases the wrath of God on his son. And he says, for those who put their hope, those who trust in him, I so love the world that I gave my only son that whoever believes in him, justified, righteous, forgiven, free. And if you believe that, really? Oh, you rejoice. All the trials in this this life, they seem real manini in light of eternity. It's amazing. The more you kind of dig your roots into this joy in the Lord, you start to find you're like that Psalm 1 person. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates day and night, and he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf doesn't wither. You're just so deeply rooted in this stuff. <laughs> you're, you're that man who built his house on the rock that whatever circumstances in your life come around you, everyone else might be pulling their hair out and whatnot, but they look at you and you're like, they see this joy, this peace in your eyes. Where'd you get that? How come you're not freaking out, man? Your friends will ask you, your coworkers will wonder. You tell them. We got to tell them. My joy is in the Lord. What? Who's that? What is that? And you witness. You preach it. Rejoice in the Lord. Joy comes from Jesus, not our circumstances. Note this too. Paul is writing this letter from prison. <laughs> He's writing from prison. He's probably the happiest person in Rome. And the happiest person in Rome is in a jail. <laughs> Why? Because his joy is in the Lord. Not in this life. He sees it clearly. I ain't, this isn't my home. So, come what may. Pff, viruses, collapsing governments, or all this kind of stuff. All whatever, whatever it is. My citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await our Lord, our King Jesus. It's my joy. That's why he talks the way he talks. Is it all coming together? That's why I press on to know him. I count everything else in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. It's rubbish. At the end of the day, when I breathe my last, I want to be found in Christ. You could, have, you could have had the worst day circumstance-wise of your life. 
But if you rejoiced in the Lord that day, total victory. It was a good day. Total success. That is some crazy epic. Can you imagine a church filled with young men, old men, and women, just families, just so rejoicing in the Lord, so firm, so secure, so stable, so united, so genuinely glowing. Can you imagine a church like that? That's what I'm praying. That's what we're praying for us here. Joy looks to the end, and that's why when we get to the letter, the next part of this chapter, the next verses from 5 to 9, that's what Paul's going to start doing. He's going to start pointing them to the Lord, showing them how to pray, showing them how to overcome anxiety and stress and doubt and all these things. But anyway, we'll stop there tonight. I want to encourage us to just examine. I mean, it was simple things we saw, but big things. You know, Paul loved the church. He longed for the church. Our stability is in the Lord. Our unity is in the Lord. Our joy is in the Lord. The, the only question now is to examine yourself. Is the, are, are you in the Lord? It is the Lord in you. You know, in John 15, when Jesus says, he says, abide in me and I in you. You do this, your joy will be full. Abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. The big now question is, after we heard all these amazing, wonderful things of unity, stability, and joy, the question now is, is, this, is that in you? Is he in you? Remember, you cannot fabricate these things. And, and I want to beg you, don't try. Don't try to just act like you're stable when you're not. Don't try to act like we're all unity and kumbaya if we're not. We got to get to the Lord. Don't try to act like you're joyful and you're not. Get the real thing. Come to Christ. So I want to kind of close in prayer differently. I, I want to just kind of give us just a few moments um, to interact with your thoughts, your notebook even. If there is a specific thing, person, brother, sister, maybe when you heard about the disagreement, you know, between these two ladies, someone came to mind. I want to urge us to don't let those things run away from you right now. You know, set yourself up to obey. Write these things down or, or make, a men, make a note on your phone or something. But just kind of look through your notes or look back through the text and, and just, you know, come before God right now and try to apply. I'll just give us a, a few moments to just do that right now. So go ahead and do that. Maybe you need to receive help. You need help in settling that conflict or whatever it is. Think, who can you ask? This is the part where Bible study really gets fun. Transformation.
maybe maybe God has led you to thinking thoughts of okay i'm not I'm not so stable and sure in my faith. I don't really understand the gospel. I don't really understand the faith. What are you going to do about it? Maybe joy is something that has become more foreign to you than a reality. Rejoicing always. What? Let's pray together. Father, we know that accordance with chapter one in this book, you who began a good work in us, you'll complete it. It is you who works it in a man to will and to work for your good pleasure. This is all you, God. And we don't want to do this on our own ability anymore. We don't want to stand firm in our own strength. We don't want to try to, like what Paul was doing, um, finding confidence in all these other things outside of Christ. So Lord, grant us humility. Give us faith. Help us to stand firm in the Lord. Lead us into agreement in the Lord. No, God, let us rejoice as we sing, God. Let that be what overflows out out of us, a joy. We always have a reason to sing in the Lord. Help us to do this always. So, Spirit of God, lead us as we sing. And fill us where we're lacking. Do what only you can do in this place, in us. In Jesus' name, amen.